0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to state sponsored programming. I'm Will Blyseth, and we're here with Catherine Bepler. Hey. <laughs> and we, Sophie Dasko and Max Shell will shortly be with us, but for now, it's just Catherine and me going head to head. And as a patriotic channel that state sponsored programming is, t- today is a very significant event in modern American history. Uh, today is September 11th, the anniversary in which four one, planes total. So two, so two crashed into the, into the
1: the towers, the one towers. into the Pentagon, and then one into the right. field in Pennsylvania. Right.
0: As I know, even though I wasn't around for it, you can I can ask any adult. I can ask. I've talked to my parents, teachers, and any adult really about how they've experienced the event. So it since it's such a sad, tragic event, we're just going to have a little bit of a moment of silence before we start. So, speaking of the freedom that we have in the United States, something that's awesome that we have is freedom of expression. And that can be used through the form of art. Now, today we're talking about abstract art. I'm not the hugest fan. I think there's some abstract art that's pretty good and some that I think is kind of a little bit devoid and meaningless. And, Catherine, you can can talk about your opinion.
1: All right. Well, I'll start on the fact that you point out um, it's devoid and meaningless, because a lot of times that's actually the, uh, um, intention of the artist to have the piece mean nothing, which is kind of, uh, you may think counterintuitive, but it's just another way of expressing the art.
0: Well, that's a great way to start this debate. Yeah. So, <laughs> Um, so, Catherine, talk a little bit of, to be honest, I'm, I'm a little bit ignorant when it comes to art. I know what I know, I don't know what I don't know, but I still have my opinions, So if you just want to talk about some pieces that you really like, and just to kind of talk about, in your opinion, why there's a lot of abstract art that you really appreciate, that'd be awesome.
1: Um, Personally, I'm not even a fan of abstract art, but I will make the argument till, like, my deathbed that abstract art and contemporary art are forms of art, which is kind of what our debate formed about.
0: So, Catherine, talk to me a little bit about your opinions of abstract art in general.
1: Well, I think that, different from Will's perspective and a bit of Sophie's perspective, and I actually, I think I'd say Max's too, I believe that the term art is given by the artist. Art is given meaning by the artist who portrays it, as opposed to the viewer who is looking at the art. And there's undoubtedly a part of art where it's the viewer's interpretation, and in, which gives it its meaning, but for sure. the artist's historical and emotional background to the piece and the intention for making it, whether it be for it to meet, be meaningless, such as the black square. I feel like you could always look up that piece. I,
0: it's <laughs> for, a black square. I assume. It's yeah. It's literally
1: just a black square, and I even use this as as a rebuttal against Will and like a previous argument. Where he said, well, I, I would just be looking at, like, a square on a painting, and I don't understand it. Does it have any meaning? Whereas Black Square, it was painted in the USSR in the 1920s, and its purpose was to mean absolutely nothing. Um, the USSR didn't like that because it was a different form of expression, and it was kind of um, an early stage of abstract and more contemporary art. The artist was actually imprisoned and, I believe, tortured for this projection of art. So the Black Square kind of became a symbol uh, of resistance against the USSR decades after. That's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Well, just to talk a little bit of my point of view here. So I'm not going to take a whole genre and say it's good or say it's bad. I think there's definitely some abstract art that is really cool. I think we were talking a little bit about Dali, his work, yeah, which but is more which yeah, is more, the
1: points you're making are a bit more subjective.
0: Well yeah, but so are yours to be fair. We're well, both no, we no, both no, have no. subjective opinions. They're
1: not more <laughs> my opinions they're not they're not even opinions, they're facts. That it was the artist's intention, it's not no, the right, main in right, history. Right. But to say that something like, well, whether it's good or bad, who's to say what's good art and who's to I say really what's got bad it, I, art?
0: So there's definitely a lot of really cool Abstract art, in my opinion, subjective opinion. Uh, like, for example, you know, Dali's work where I think it was a melting clock. And there's a lot of different forms of abstract art that I find very aesthetically pleasing and very, very interesting. And the, your point about the black square, yeah, that, I, I think that that is really cool that there was a piece going counterculture against a communist regime in order to, to, to resist and to have no meaning. And I think that is a form of artistic techniques in a sense. Uh, but my general premise is, if we're t- talking about, for example, what we're going to put in a museum, I think we should put in museums the pieces of art that cleverly use artistic techniques in order to portray its meaning. So, in this case of the U- the black square, but it's it has historical value in that sense, and so that it's. It's kind of a symbol in and it of itself, which I think is really cool. But so a painting that I kind of want to talk about is the 3rd of, Mo- of May by Goya. And so there's, there's so much symbolism here. And my point is, is that in the 3rd of May, there's a plethora of artistic techniques being used here, which I think makes it a great painting. But I think with a lot of different paintings that you'll see at a modern art museum, where it's just paint splatters and there's not much context there, like the black square... And you just see a paint splatter. There's nothing to peel apart like the Third of May. There's nothing that you can just go through, like you know, and just pe- and peel apart all the different layers and just realize its complexities and its artistic value. And so, sure, we can talk. We can talk to a blue about how art's subjective, and that you know, whatever. When, if the artist thinks it's good, it's essentially good. But I think if we're talking about what's going to be put in a museum here. Then we need a, I think the best art is ones that effectively use artistic techniques.
1: So you're arguing what should and shouldn't be put in a museum, and more or less, not what should or should not be considered art.
0: Not what necessarily considered art. What should be considered good art, and what's bad art? And when you have a museum, you have a limited amount of space. So clearly, you want the best pieces to be put forth.
2: But how can you determine like whether or not a piece is good? Through how the, can you like that's your subjective opinion. Through
0: the use of artistic techniques. So all
2: paintings utilize artistic techniques.
0: Through through, through, like, through, the clever use of artistic techniques, and there's a way to discover that, just like in a poem, for example, yes. which we talked about in AP English, where there's some poems that have a certain meaning, and they use words that completely distract from the meaning, for example, or they, they are too long, or they use bathos. It's the same thing. It, dep- it, it definitely depends on the meaning of the artist, but I think that you, when you look at these paintings here, you have to see what's the meaning of the artist, and then determine you know, if the artistic techniques are, are used. And I think to be honest, this is a little bit subjective, but like, you know, there's definitely paintings that you'll see where it's just like a flashlight, or like I remember watching this H three H three video where his point was is you can just take something that has some broad personal meaning and then call it art.
1: So you you
2: compare art to poetry, correct? Sure. Have you ever read a poem called The Red Wheelbarrow?
0: Yeah, I have okay, read. Okay. Have you
2: read a poem by Edgar Allan Poe called The Raven? Or have you ever heard of it?
0: Yes, I've read it. Okay.
2: So let us compare abstract art, like the black square, to the red wheelbarrow. Simple, clean, people may not appreciate it. I do,
0: I love it. It's a great poem.
1: You can only take but at it the same in time, the context of its historical value. The exact words to the red wheelbarrow, or maybe not exact, but so much depends upon the red wheelbarrow glistening with rainwater besides the white chickens.
0: But imagine if, if the so, so much depends upon wasn't there.
1: Okay, he he wrote the poem over months. It took, I think, three months or so for him to actually add the so much depends upon. Right. His original poem was just the red wheelbarrow uh, glistening with rainwater beside the white chickens.
2: And in addition to that, the context of the red wheelbarrow is the author of that poem was a doctor. And he was looking out the window while in another room his patient was fighting for their life. So it was a moment for him... Of clarity, and it was a moment of deep reflection, which gives the poem, if you understand the context behind it, an additional meaning that you might not appreciate if you just read it. Yeah, And I it's agree. the same thing with abstract art. The black square, with which Catherine has brought up, is not necessarily significant because of the artistic techniques in it that you describe, but it is significant because of its historical context, and that gives the piece great value. Sure. It, art is also incredibly subjective. So, It isn't up to one person to decide whether art is, quote, good or not good.
1: Art is given meaning by the artist. It's not, uh, most of the time, unless it's like Pulp Fiction or something, the artist isn't putting their artwork out there to be glorified and um, just to to be esteemed by other people. A lot of the time, such as Emily Dickens or their works they had written weren't intended for anybody else to see they were intended they were an expression of their own thoughts and opinions and values we consider that art because they gave those words and those ideas meaning which we now see
3: i would like to bring up a poetic example um will are you familiar with a poem called any station of the metro by ezra pound no i am not well it's only two lines so i'm going to read it very quickly the apparition of these faces in the crowd. Petals on a wet, black bow. Two lines. Ezra Pound is not trying to say anything deep in this poem. This is an images poem. It's about taking as many words out of the material as possible and using only what is necessary to convey the most meaning. This poem is simply about visuals. The second line, petals on a wet, black bow. Every word is there for a reason. It sounds very nice on the tongue, and it conveys a very stark visual image in the mind. He had no historical backdrop to write this on. It wasn't about conveying an idea. It's simply nice to read and there's a lot of art like that as well. So you're kind of proving my point though a little bit because it has a
0: certain meaning and then it uses literary techniques in order to reach that meaning. So with that specific poem, it's an images poem. His whole philosophy is that he wants to use short concise words in order to portray, to portray whatever he wants to portray. If he, if I said I had an images poem, and it was epic and it was a hundred pages long, then it wouldn't be an images poem. So you, you, depending on the purpose of the art, then you use artistic or literary techniques accordingly. But in this case, he used literary te- techniques accordingly. You just said it; it sounded right off the tongue.
3: Like the, it, there's different literary techniques in order to, to reach that so what you're saying is there is a gradient but it's dependent upon the genre of art as well as a wide variety of other factors
0: sure yeah there's a lot of different ways just it's like the same thing as if we're cooking food here this is my favorite example if i was to take a piece of raw steak take my boot crush it and then serve it at a restaurant people would be like this is crap and i'd be like well i'm the cook I'm the artist, to me it's delicious, therefore it's delicious. And they'd be like, "No, I'm not buying this." Sorry. The thing is is with the col- with food, there's different culinary techniques that you use regardless of people's individual preferences that you use to make food good. I don't like chocolate, for example, but there's different ways it in- but there's different ways in making chocolate good. you use the right amount of sugar maybe you, you you use the right amount of different ingredients in order to highlight the sweet flavors of the chocolate. same thing with steak you you know you marinate it, you find different flavor combinations in order to make the best possible steak and then you and then you cook it depending on your preference
1: but you're making that. For the the example used, you're making it for other people and you're serving it to them. But when you're cooking it for yourself, you're giving it your own pleasure and satisfaction and you put your own effort and meaning and emotion into, like, essentially, that art.
0: Well, I think when we're talking about art, when we have to classify good art, I think it has to... We don't
2: have to classify good art. You're trying to put art into a category that it doesn't need to fit into.
0: But, But, like what I was saying earlier... Let's say we, we're, we have a museum, and we have to figure out what pieces we're going to put in a museum. Are we just going to have a lottery system? What do you, what do you propose?
2: Well, then it's up to the curator who has an eye for art and will encompass a wide variety of he makes And he, makes, a, and he makes
0: distinctions in order to figure out the best kind of
3: art that he wants to put in his museum. That's true, but when you have two different museums, say so you have, let's see, the Philadelphia Museum of Art, which I've been to, and the Cleveland Museum of Art, which I've also been to, you have two different curators, both using their own subjective opinions to decide which pieces they want in their museums. Now, my subjective opinion of what art should be is going to cause me to have a different opinion of those two museums. That, that makes sense, but, but each of the curators has uses their
0: own techniques in different ways in order to try to find, add some objectivity in order to find the best pieces of art. For example, skill, skillful use of shadowing, for example, symbolism, things of the, these nature, these are different ways in which you can f- find a high quality art. In the, sa- in the same way that, for example, f- with how Gordon Ramsay uses a ton of techniques in order to make, you know, his filet mignon.
1: But that's still more or, or less a s- subjective argument, because, again, Gordon Ramsay usually is making food for other people. Museums aren't made to display good or bad art, they're made to display art. And it's usually the museum's purpose in someone's maybe subjective, or probably economic, profit-driven Depending on what pieces they put in the art, it's not exactly whether it's good art, it's bad art, it's money.
0: Fair, fair point. Can we? Can we? Can other people talk about their opinions? Because this is kind of a drill. Well, three v one, and I'm kind of like a I'm kind of like the okay, common okay. man when it comes to I'll, art. So could we? Could you guys just talk about I'll your opinions?
1: I'll play the a devil's bit? advocate. So earlier we talked about before we started the recording, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's Who Is America? Uh, I don't know if any of our listeners have seen that. But there's a, uh... Well, the whole basis is where Sasha Baron Cohen dresses up as one of his, like, characters. And, uh, Who is America is usually where he dresses up as a character. Kind of, um, uh, tricks someone or someone who's, like, famous or influential over media and money and all that stuff. Uh, but anyway, uh, Sacha Baron Cohen, he dressed up as a recently, um like, someone who had recently just gotten out of jail and, uh, had become an artist. So, he, uh, goes to this famous art critic in L.A., um, who's talking to him about whether or not his pieces should be in her gallery. So, he shows the art, uh, it's very abstract, and she's sitting there saying, like, wow, that's great, that's amazing, that's beautiful. And at the very end, he says, well, I made this with my shit. (laughs) So, to play more to Will's side... It, like it was a it's satire it's a joke and he was making a joke out of it and there's definitely a point to be made well the other thing i think is that's that's
2: absolutely wonderful is when you go to an art gallery or if there's a satire of an art gallery situation where someone like takes off their glasses and puts them on the floor people go up to them and they're like oh my god and, you know this is incredible that composition and then you know everybody's staring at it like it's some incredible work and it's really just somebody took off their glasses and set them yeah. on the floor I personally would never want to like look at a piece of abstract art over a Van Gogh painting or over Storm on the Sea of Galilee, which is by Rembrandt. But at the same time, it does find value for some people. Some people definitely look at that and say, I can really connect to that piece of art. You know, I can almost see that person's mind You know, when they were making this piece, as opposed to Van Gogh, who can be very difficult to relate to. But I think that abstract art kind of comes in a variety of shapes and forms. Which appeals to different types of people, which is why I think that while it might not be my personal favorite, it's important not to necessarily rule it out.
0: Well, something that I just want to bring up that you guys can discuss is I think what really matters a lot here is what is the art, the artist's intentions or what kind of meaning if are they trying to convey if or maybe there's no meaning.
1: Well, well, you just argued well, against that earlier.
0: Well, I'm just I'm not letting me get to my point. So come
1: on
0: Catherine. Yeah I it's, it's know. Okay. Yeah, so like so for example, with when we were when we were reading po- like quote unquote bad poems in AP English, certain poets had certain themes that they were trying to convey, and then we you could see they would use words that would be completely way off of in of the poem It would make actually make the poem humorous I- instead of trying to convey the meaning it was, it was trying to do because they used wrong diction in, in its sense of its meaning. So if we're having an abstract, maybe, I'll concede, maybe my mind's changed a little bit, that sure, there is abstract art, and its, and its point is not to have a point, and that's okay. But I think at the same time, though, let's say that if my, just to throw in a, a theme that is very popular in Renaissance art, let's say I was trying to make a, I was trying to portray the crucifixion. And I was just going to take my paints, my paintbrush and just splatter it around and be like, this is the crucifixion. And this was my meaning, this is my intention. You'd say, no, that's, that does not look like the crucifixion whatsoever. You may, have, may, you may have envisioned in your head it being the crucifixion, but it's literally just paint splatters. And I think you could call that, I don't know if I'd say bad art, but it's definitely missing the mark in terms of its meaning. And I think that we can, when we look at, if we're trying to at least a little bit say, okay, like this, I appreciate this art, because it, you know, I can really see its meaning if I create a piece and I'm like, oh, this is the crucifixion. And it's only paint splatters and I think it completely misses the mark. Well,
1: it was well, that artist's interpretation. And but it's a paint, paint
0: splatter. So
2: who cares? You, do you know Jackson Pollock is?
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah,
2: you know wealthy Jackson Pollock is?
0: Ad popular. Uh, ad popular just yeah, because, because of people like it doesn't mean it's necessarily...
2: But gay. here's my point. You just said it's, it's a paint splatter. Who cares? Do you know what I mean?
0: Somebody but but cares. it's but it's somebody, but it's, somebody it's,
2: likes it. Somebody I'm, so, pay a big money but I'm saying
0: like if if his if his meaning with one of these paintings was to, I it's I think it's a little bit dependent on the artist's meaning, where like if, if my if my intention was to portray the crucifixion, and I literally just took a r- purple paint and took my hand and stuck in that purple paint and just slapped it on. And and I just and then I found some connection in my mind that okay maybe so
1: then it's art yeah
0: exactly okay but it's but it's like but who who cares because it's not portraying it's it's not meaning it's meaning whatsoever just like when we look at poems and we see okay like this word completely missed the mark it it was a it was a bad poem because it because it should have used different diction if it was trying to get its meaning it's the same thing like I don't understand how it, with poetry we can make those <laughs> distinctions but we can't with art.
3: I would like to insert my own radical point of view in the discussion. Oh because God. <laughs> you're kind of circling around it well. I would like to suggest that art, especially visual art, has absolutely no inherent meaning. Meaning, instead, is derived from each individual's reaction to a piece of art. So any meaning that a piece of art has, whether it's um, Starry Night or a Jackson Pollock painting is solely dependent on your reaction to it as an individual based on your own personal experiences. So the example I wrote down here was, imagine that I paint, like, a tree in a field under a cloudy sky. Okay, it doesn't matter what I'm trying to convey with that painting. When you look at it, you might think of it, it might, like, evoke in you like a childhood memory and you could find the painting very comforting. Or it might evoke a memory of a funeral and you're going to find the whole thing very sad. Whatever meaning I attempt to impart into the painting is likely going to be drowned out by your own response to it as the viewer. Well,
1: but would that mean before anyone ever looks at that painting and you just paint it and you're, you're absorbed in the painting, does that mean it's not art because it's only the artist's perspective of it?
3: No. It's art because meaning can be derived from it. For art to be meaningless, it would have to have no value to anyone on earth who looks at it, which would be arguably virtually impossible. The fact that there is a potential to gain meaning from it means that it is art. Okay, but for example, with the with a painting that I dearly
0: love, The Third of May, by Goya, he clearly uses a ton of concrete techniques in order to create symbolism, in order to in order to get the get the observer into his world and to display his meaning.
3: Sure, and the feelings and the reaction that I have to that painting is likely still going to be influenced by my reaction to it. If I'm going to look at historical context, I would imagine that if you told somebody that... If you told... Let's say you have two people. One of them is a card-carrying Antifa member, and the other is a survivor of Cuban work Camp. And you tell somebody that a painting is about suffering under a communist regime. Those two individuals are likely to have a very different reaction to that painting.
1: But does that mean... That the artist's meaning isn't important?
3: I'm not saying that it isn't important, but I'm saying what's ultimately the most important is the subjective reaction to it by the viewer. Well, sure. Like, wh- when, when a,
0: you create a poem, or when you create a piece of art, you're trying to evoke a certain emotion. A lot, a lot of times, not necessarily all the time, but a lot of times with poems or with art, you're trying to get the observer into the artist's world or into the poet's world, or try to... For, for example, we read in speaking of the, the day which is very you know the anniversary we read some poems speaking of 9 uh, 911 and there is a lot of literary techniques used and things like that to try to capture the emotion of the of the event the fear the suffering etc but in, but there is a sense of a, a concrete meaning behind it
2: and now we're going to have a brief interview So today we're gonna be discussing abstract art because abstract art is, I feel like, one of those things that everybody has an opinion on no matter who they are. And to get a different perspective, we're here talking with Mr. Shemrick. Mr. Shemrick, if you'd like to introduce yourself.
4: My name is Thomas Shemrick. I've worked at Bay High School as an art instructor for the past 28 or so years. Went to the Cleveland Institute of Art and I'm a practicing artist and involved in the arts community in the United States.
2: Cool. Um, And have you always lived in Cleveland, just out of curiosity?
4: No, I grew up in Hinckley and went to Brunswick School, so I wasn't in a very urban or very high culture situation. Not to say people don't have class in Hinckley, but not many people make a regular trip to the art museum.
2: Today, abstract art. We wanted to get your opinion on abstract art, what you think about it. I remember when I first brought this up to you, you were, you were like, yeah, everybody either loves it or hates it. in regards abstract art. So kind of get your opinion, tell us what
3: you think.
4: Sure. Going to art school and having people that are Decidedly on the left or the right side of the fence, meaning they hate it or they love it. A lot of it is, has to do with the people's definition of abstract art. Abstraction, in the first place, comes from the um, the legal term of an abstract. An abstract is a short shortened version, sort of like a sound bite over a news story. So it's only fifteen words instead of five thousand words. In that. If you want to make a good soundbite that works, they have to be the right words. It has to be carefully chosen, can't just be a random anything. So the construction of an abstract piece, abstraction isn't just lines and colors and so forth. Jackson Pollock was not an abstractionist. He was a non-representational painter, which means he wasn't trying to make an allusion to any object, thing, place, person, anything. It was just stuff on a piece of paper or on a canvas. Abstraction is the level in between. It means nothing, and it looks like a puppy. So that level in between is giving you the freedom to focus on just what's important to you, what you think is the most important instrument in the symphony, and making that stand out and kind of forgetting the rest of the things that would be distracting away from what your goal is. A lot of abstract art is not because the person doesn't have skills. People look at Picasso's artwork, his his abstractions of the female form, of human forms, and the assumption is he never learned how to draw. But he could do a Rembrandt-quality portrait of someone and had, and has many works that we've, we've recorded that are perfection as far as uh, representation. It isn't a lack of skill. It's a choice that I don't want to say the whole story. I don't want to tell you what Aunt Lucy was doing at the kitchen table. I just want to tell you what happened when the turkey flew off the table. That's the point I want. I don't need all the rest of the details. So it's kind of in some way, it's kind of like a cartoon. A cartoon gives us a story. We can follow along. We can empathize with characters. We can have emotions about it. But at the same time, it isn't dragging us down with all kinds of extra stuff. It's just the story by itself. And cartoons comes from uh, a process of taking a piece of paper that's a plan for a fresco like the Sistine Chapel ceiling and it's a simplified drawing. It's just the essential pieces and it's called a cartoon. We think of cartoons today as being something less, something crude, something primitive relative to A fine work of art that shows every hair on a dog or whatever it might be but it's just a different form of expression the way I like to think about it is that some people are open open open-minded relative to jazz or country or hip-hop or this that or the other same way people have that same reservation things they don't know about are scary things they don't know about they shy away from things they don't know about if they don't know it enough and they're uninformed enough they will end up making disparaging comments oh i hate that when they don't really hate it they just don't understand it.
2: that's a downright jab at people who are like i hate abstract art you just don't understand
4: to me (laughs) to me anyone who flat out says they hate everything about something is just a red flag that you don't know anything about that especially if it's something that culturally millions of people like yeah Sure. There is something you're missing at that point. So yeah. within my own life, are there things I don't care for? Yes. Yeah. But I try and find those bits of good because when we do that, we're all the time making an abstraction of real life. We don't see the real world as it is. Our brain's making a simplified version that our, that our consciousness can actually handle. Right. So abstraction is just the way our brains work and To say less, but still get across everything you mean, is eloquence, that's grace. Am I an abstract artist? Yes. Am I a realist artist? Yes. Am I a non-representational artist? Yes. And because of that, I can touch many different audiences. I can take joy in all of what I see, instead of just, I like macaroni and cheese and I refuse to eat anything else. In the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, there was a, a big push towards the craftsmanship and the skill level of the artists who represented the world in the annual shows at the Louvre in Paris. That's not the case with art. It can be different for every single person. Every single person's experience can be totally different. Two people can like the same artist and hear a certain song by that artist and have a totally different reaction to it. Some one life, one hate, Does that mean anything relative to the work of art? No, not at all. If it touches one person and that one person is me, the artist who made it, and that's my intention, then it's successful. If I want it to touch millions and I'm the only one who gets it, then it's not successful. You're weighing it out to whether you got your point across. And with all my students coming through my classes having a lot of different aesthetics, they like what they like, they don't like necessarily what I like, and that's okay. There are things that happen relative to the elements and the principles of design that make a good composition and make it pleasing, make it successful. But a text with all capitals is just screaming. Mm-hmm. So the finesse of that, and just because you heard one rap song and you heard that it said something about killing policemen or whatever it might have been, and you suddenly think everything that's done with that style of music is bad is ignorance. It's just a lack of information and a lack of knowledge relative to something. But again, people don't like abstract art for the most part because they have a hard time not seeing an exact image. Mm-hmm. They have a hard time figuring it out for themselves or they think it's just a poor attempt at doing something realistic. And then they automatically put it on a lower shelf and say, well, you didn't try. If yeah. you, you would have tried, it would have been better, but you didn't try. Right. If you're trying for abstract, then abstract is your goal. All
2: right, well that's phenomenal. Thank you very much. I think that's very helpful. I know these are a lot of the things that you talk about abstract art. A lot of the same things come up. In
4: Even art. at my level. Yeah. There are, uh, my best friend in the world lives in, in Florida and his he's a, a designer, a graphic designer. He's a photographer, travels all over the world and, and has varied experiences. And I respect his thoughts, his opinions, and his aesthetic. Abstract art pisses him off. End of story. End of story. He will have nothing to do with it. He doesn't even want to have a conversation. He doesn't even want anybody to use the word abstract. Does that mean he's got a closed mind about it? Yes, it does. And he that's okay. He can. For an educator, it's hard to have that closed thing and say, this is the only right way. It's not mathematics after all.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, in that case, I'm Will Blyseff. I'm Max Shaw.
2: I'm Katherine Buckley, And I'm Sophie Dasco.
0: And this is state-sponsored programming.